Live with CDP Sports Talk, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet. Live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Radio Public, and TuneIn. Now, here's your host, Chris Palme. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 3, Overall 333 of Live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles, or give them a call at 519-824-0210, or you can email them at info at barrycullen.com. Dot com. Live with CDP Sports Talk is also on weeknights from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta, the home of Southern Talk and Sports. I hope everyone's doing well on this Thursday, November 16th, 2023. Where is the month of November going? And I hope everyone's doing well. And I'm looking forward to my show, my guest today. And um, her name is Corey Androdi, and she's a sales representative and team leader with uh, Forest Hill. She does real estate in the GTA area, and now she's out in the Kitchener-Waterloo, Cambridge, Guelph area as well. And I'm looking forward to speaking to Corey this morning as well. And I also I want to say thank you to the Canadian Football League yesterday for giving me a media day pass for the Grey Cup. Um, this week that takes place in Hamilton, I was able to do 10 player interviews with, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Montreal Alouettes. I'll tell you guys a little bit more about that after, and I will be, uh, posting some of my interviews on my social media soon, but we're going to bring on my uh, guest today. And I'm really looking forward to speaking to her a little bit about her career in real estate and how she got into it. And her name again is Corey Androdi and, uh, glad to meet you. Good morning, Corey. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Chris? Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on here today, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. So how are things with you and the real estate uh, industry these days? Well, it's definitely an interesting uh, interesting environment. It's kind of reminding me of, uh, you know, it's a sport all in itself. Um I've been um, I've been in this business well over 15 years, and so I've seen it all. I've seen the good times, the bad times. Um, we're coming off in the last couple of years, I'm sure everyone knows. We've had a few years of really crazy, hot, hot, hot markets. Prices were crazy. Buyers were crazy. Sellers were crazy. But um, it has slowed down a bit with the, uh, with the interest rate hikes for sure. But it's still a really solid market. So, you know, we hear all these gloom and dooms of uh, the market's going to crash. It's going to fall. No, no, it's not. It's still a pretty good, solid market. Um, even though the prices are down, they're not really down a lot. So this is kind of the new norm. But it's uh, it does definitely keeps me on my toes. That's for sure. I love what I do, but it's definitely a little more challenging than it was uh, a couple of years ago. So I 
I kind of feel for some of the newer agents out there that have experienced nothing more than a hot, hot market. Now I got to figure out actually how to do the business, not just put a sign up and sell the property. Corey, I wanted to ask you this as well. Uh, how, how, how much of an impact was the pandemic on the real estate? Did it, did it drive it up? And, and how difficult was it trying to uh, sell homes uh, during the pandemic? And, and I imagine you get, did some of it virtually as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to say the pandemic was an, an interesting time. Um, you know, forget all the emotional and crazy uncertainty that most of us experienced through that period. Real estate kept going. We were considered an essential service. Um, I had uh, I had several clients that chose to list and sell their properties during that time. Um, and it, it was definitely a different way of doing business. We did a lot more things virtually. I found that um, as a result of the pandemic, the real estate industry really stepped the game up when it came to virtual tools. So, you know, the the walkthrough and the drones and the and the um, the floor plans, and it was almost like you could be in the house when you were just you know going through the, the virtual tour and stuff like that. So that was a really good positive that came out of the pandemic because. I tell you, we've kind of moved away from the in-person offers. So a lot of stuff now is virtual. We've got far better tools than we did back then. So I could say that's a positive. But during the pandemic, listing the property, wow, that was that was interesting. So we had to make sure that, wow, there was a lot of personal protection. So at every house that I had listed, we had packages that had boot covers and masks and gloves and sanitizer and, and all that kind of stuff. And it, it did keep people's, I guess it kept people a little more calm with the process. We weren't allowing open houses. We weren't allowing, you know, overlapping appointments. There was only so many people in, in allowed in a property at the time. Um, and at one point I had, to, I had um, some elderly clients that were selling their homes. So I had to be there for every single showing. And it was interesting, but, you know, business chugged along. And I think part of this, I guess into the second year of the pandemic, a lot of people realized, hey, working from home is not so bad hey, maybe we should move to Collingwood and, and have the bigger house and get out of the city because I don't, I no longer have to be in the home or sorry, be in the office. So a lot of lifestyle changes. People made some pretty big moves in their lifestyle. So I'm finding now even lifestyles was pushing more people into properties and into different properties and into different areas. You know, there's a lot more flexibility with working from home. So it's uh, it's a different landscape for sure, but there's I have to say there was a lot of positives that came out of it from our industry perspective. Um, do I want to do it again? Hell no. But um, yeah, there were some things that came out of it that were pretty positive. I also wanted to ask you this as well, Corey. I've noticed lately more and more people are selling their homes on their own. Do you, what's your thoughts on that? Why is <laughs> why is it not such a great idea? Well, um, it's really it's an interesting situation because unfortunately, there's lots of folks out there that have had bad experiences with realtors in the past, so they can only go on the experience they've had. Now we're not all like that, but um, you find a lot of folks will think this is easy. I can do this. You throw a sign on the lawn, and wow, that's it. It just sells. There's a lot more that goes into it than that. 
there's a lot of uh, legal ease that you you really need to understand in order to protect a seller and a buyer in any transaction. Um, so it's a lot it's a lot more than just the pretty pictures and the sign on the lawn. And I think what tends to happen with a lot of folks is they try to do it on their own because they think they're going to save a whole ton of money. But it's been proven time and time again, statistically, that for the most part, even if you sell it on your own, you think that you've saved a ton of money, you really haven't. Um, most good agents are great negotiators. We know the market. We know what's happening in the market. We know what's selling. We know how to get better pricing or a better sale price. It's all about presentation of a property. So there's a lot more detail that uh, that's required. So a lot of a lot of uh, sellers that will sell on their own usually end up leaving a lot of money on the table. And I know myself. Um, yeah, I mean. If you can even put another three to five percent in their pocket, then you've already kind of sort of covered your your uh, re remuneration. So it's not always what it appears. And most people that try to sell it on their own end up hiring an agent in the end. OK, uh, Corey, um, I want to ask you this as well. Um, sure. What are your thoughts on buying and renting and what are the advantages of doing both? Um, what do you mean? Uh, buying a property to rent it out or to rent uh, or buy? To, to buy a home or to uh, a rent. Well, if you like to pay someone else's mortgage, by all means, go and rent. <laughs> um, and rents these days are pretty pricey. So it makes it, the longer you rent, the more you're going to um, grow someone else's equity. Because that's the whole point with a property. It is an asset. It's it's something that you can borrow against. It's something that you can, um, you know, take some equity out and go to another property. But you lose a lot of flexibility if you're renting. I mean, it's someone else's property. You can't do the things that you want to do there. You might want to paint. You might want to, you know, renovate. You're not going to renovate someone else's house that that you don't own. But I would say from a wealth perspective and growing wealth, the best way to grow wealth is through real estate. Yes, you've got, you know, investments and stuff like that. But over time, over the whole history of real estate, it's done nothing but go up. It does this along the way, but it has done nothing but go up. And uh, the last couple of years, it's been a really great uh it's been a really great lesson for some folks. Um, people that bought 10 years ago, yep, their properties are in some cases doubled in value, which means they have that much more equity. And when you have equity, you have power. So you can do a lot with that equity in there. You can take some out, help the kids go to school. You can give them a down payment, but there's a lot more opportunity. So yeah, if you want to pay someone else's, else's uh, mortgage, go ahead and rent. But I would never advise it. I would always encourage someone to buy. All right. And one thing I've noticed, Corey, in Guelph, I don't know about the Toronto area or the Kitchener-Waterloo area, but in Guelph, uh, I'm seeing more and more houses being built in backyards that are big enough. I guess they call them yeah. garden houses and stuff. Yeah, they're referred to as garden houses or laneway housing, depending on where you are. They kind of have their own little names. Um, but it is... It, it's to encourage people to do a few things. It's more housing. We're definitely short on housing. Um, and of course, we have we have a lot of people coming into the country, coming with money and intentions to uh, to buy. And we are so short on available housing right now that that's going to put a lot more pressure on 
prices because of course it's supply and demand. So the more people that you have that demand housing and the less inventory you have is gonna do nothing but pressure uh, upward pressure on pricing. So yeah, that's been an alternative for some municipalities to uh, give people an opportunity to create another opportunity for housing as well as, you know, make a little money. You originally started in the in the Toronto area with Forest Hill. Um, what's it been like going from Toronto? Obviously, you're still in that area, but coming to the Kitchener Waterloo, uh, Cambridge Gulf area for real estate. Well, my my career stretches back a little bit further than Toronto. I actually built my business. I was born and raised in Brampton, and I built my business in the Brampton Peel region area. And um, and then you know, as life changes. As it did, um, I found myself, um, I, I met, uh, I guess, the love of my life, and he happened to live in the east end of Toronto. So I uprooted, moved my business down to east end of Toronto, and um, joined Forest Hill Real Estate. And lucky for me, um, Forest Hill Real Estate has an office in, in Waterloo as well, and my children. So to give you a little, a little background, so my kids, I bought a house in, in Waterloo a few years ago, and it was supposed to be an investment, but it turned out to be my children living there, my adult children. So, you know, as time goes by, the I'm in the east end of Toronto and they were in, in Waterloo. It was, yeah, the call of children and family is what got me. And frankly, it's time for a bit of a change as far as, you know, environment goes. So when I came to, when I went to Waterloo to, or to Kitchener Waterloo and actually bought the property, it made me feel like home. Like it felt like my hometown 30, 40 years ago, you know, quiet, but still bustling and a lot of activity. And I really was attracted to the area. And as it turns out, ironically, I apparently have a long history there. My, uh, my, my father's mother, her family, um, uh, located in, um, they were located in Mary Hill, just outside of, uh, out of Kitchener-Waterloo area, and that was like back in 1840-something. So I apparently have a really long history there. We were, It was a Reinhardt, so I'm sure anyone that's in uh, in Waterloo area and Kitchener-Waterloo area understand that Reinhardt apparently is a big name there. So I don't know if I still have people, relatives living there, but um, yeah, so that's how I ended up in, in Waterloo. And I can tell you the biggest difference I have found is the small town feel. It's like it people are so friendly. Um, you know, I can, I'll make business calls and people are just so happy to speak to you. And even if they're not interested in your service, they're, they're lovely. I'm not saying the city is terrible, but it's a really different grind here. Um, you know, there's 70,000 agents in Tread in the Toronto area, um, as opposed to, you know, the five to 10,000 out in uh, Guelph and, and Waterloo and, and Hamilton and all that kind of area. But I just, it feels better. Like it's just, it's, I don't know. I feel more comfortable there. I'm really, I'm thrilled with the vibe of the area. I love the people are just so warm and welcoming. So I'm really looking forward to further building my career out there. And still, of course, my clients all over the place, I still serve them as well, happily. 
and Waterloo is in a great location. It's not that far from Toronto, Mississauga. Mm. It's in a great location. What are some of the things about Waterloo you like? Uh, some of the some of the businesses there, and maybe some of the restaurants, local restaurants in Waterloo. Ah, well, the thing that I find is I really we're really attracted to the the. Um, so my my partner Kevin, he's uh, he's a microbrewery kind of guy. He loves to craft the craft kind of beer. So places uh, that we've um, visited out there have been kind of beer related in a lot of cases. But um, I would say like we went to, uh, is it Forefathers? I think that's what it was. I really love them. Um, there's a couple of restaurants that we've uh, ventured into that have been very quaint. I'm a real, I'm a real big fan of local um, and like locally run businesses and family owned. Kind of, that's just, that's where I'm attracted. Um, not nothing wrong with any of the other places, but uh, yeah, the, the other thing that really, and this is going to sound a little bit funny, I guess, but the other thing that I really love is I love the Kitchener Rangers. I love being, uh, you know, having an OHL team. Um, I ended up getting season's tickets this year and I'm so thrilled that I did. Uh, back in the day when, uh, when I was living in Brampton, there was the Brampton Battalion and we were, you know, a real hockey family. And as a side note, my, my daughter used to sing the anthem at the, uh, at the Brampton Battalion games. So that's kind of, awesome. that was interesting. That's way back in the days of, um, yeah. of Cody Hodge, uh, Hodgson and, um, gosh, who's the other players? Anyway, so look, part of, anyway, so we're, we're a big hockey family and, um, yeah, we're at the game. I'm, if I'm not, my kids are, or, you know, some clients are at the game, but it's, uh, it's really exciting. I love watching the kids that are not quite to the NHL yet. They're still playing from the heart, not necessarily for the contract, I guess. But, uh, no, I really i am thrilled that we have an OHL team that are, is in town and kind of part of our gym. So we've managed to, you know, the toque and the, and the hats and the, and the scarves and all that. So yes, we're sort of a, we're a Rangers fan family now. So it's, it's really exciting. Yeah. The Kitchener Rangers uh, originally were the Guelph uh, Biltmore hats and moved mm. to Kitchener in 1963. They have such a great tradition there since 63. And uh, I do some camera work for Rogers TV, and uh, I should yeah. probably do a Rangers game as well. It, it's, the OHL is great hockey, and uh, I've mm -hmm. done some media work for them as well. And in Kitchener, they average about 7,000 fans a game. It's They're like one of the it top is. strong teams in the league. and It's, it's great so exciting. And they're playing amazing. But um, now, if I'm not mistaken, so the Rangers at one time, the Kitchener Rangers at one time were were affiliated with the New York Rangers, were they not? Like they were. A yes, they team. were. So here's here's another interesting segue. You know, they always say that uh, that the universe sort of conspires to get you to where you need to be. And the little pellets along the way to my journey to Waterloo region have been so interesting. So my grandfather going way, way, way back. um, he was actually drafted by the New York Rangers back in the thirties or the late thirties. And he ended up going off to war before he actually could join the team. But I thought, wow, here we, I'm now looking at the Rangers Jersey that my grandfather had. Um, so to give you a little bit of background, he was the recreation director for the Borough of York for a million years. And when he retired and I didn't even know that he was, <clears throat> excuse me, in hockey at all, really as a kid, um, when he retired, the New York Rangers actually sent him uh, sent him a, a jersey. 
So I was like, wow, where did that come from? And that's how I found out that he was he was drafted by the New York Rangers. So it's kind of interesting how I watched the Kitchener Rangers and go, wow, that's that that's the same jersey, you know. Anyway, but I'm really thrilled that uh, that we have the OHL team that we can go and see and support. And I love the community support. It's it's like crazy there every game night. I love it. And on another side note, because I love hockey so much, I ended up, I had the, the great opportunity this year to sponsor a, a U9 uh, Junior Rangers select team. And I went to go see them last week to play. At, I guess they were they were having a game and I went over there to play. And it was so, it was so cute. It was just amazing to watch all these kids playing so hard and yeah, it was just, it's what it's all about. The kids were thrilled, you know, they're scoring goals and it was, it was great. I love watching the little ones. And one thing about the Rangers too, uh, they are unique. They are community operated. They've always been like I that know. since 1963. And that's why they're probably yeah. one of the most successful franchises. As for Brampton, unfortunately, the OHL has tried Toronto, Brampton, and even Mississauga. Yep. And there's so much going on there. You know that for entertainment and for yep. professional sports teams. It's just yep. not, a, it's not a good market for the Ontario Hockey League, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it is unfortunate. We were really sad to see the battalion go to uh, to North Bay. Um, it was it was really a sad time. Um, but you know, when you can't put when you can't put the seats uh, people in the seats, I don't know why because they were actually they were a good team. They were a great team. And yeah, I, funny really enough, cool. we we actually we billeted one of the players for for a couple of years who actually ended up getting traded to the Kitchener Rangers. But anyway, <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, it was kind of sad. So I'm like, I was, I have to say this year when we went to the, uh, one of the preseason games, I was like, oh my God, this is it. I love this. And I love the community, the community support. Cause man, yeah, fans come out and, and they really support their boys. And I love that. I really do love that. What was it like being a billet family? Because I, I don't think the billets get enough credit for what they do for these young men that are away from home the first time and, and, yeah. and expected to be professional players in the OHL. It's uh yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was fun. We had a, yeah, there was often, there was a lot of times that we had a bunch of, bunch of hockey players in our basement playing, uh, you know, playing the Xbox and stuff like that. Um, and at the time um, when we billeted, my son was still playing. So, you know, he was playing AAA, AA, all this kind of stuff. So he, we were out with him. We were out with my daughter. We were, out, you know, it was, it's hard, but it's a lot of fun. And um, yeah, we were very fortunate. We had a really, really good kid. He was, uh, he was young, really young when he came to us, but man, he was, he was a really good kid. And ironically enough, our neighbors at the time, they billeted a, another player from the team as well. So there was some connection there, but uh, yeah, it was, it was really, it was really fulfilling, I have to say. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's like having another kid. <laughs> it really is. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you this as well, Corey, because I've been involved with them the last couple of years. Have you and your family been interested in the in the Kitchener-Waterloo Titans? Uh, they're a new professional basketball league that's at the odd as well. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that. Now, we've never really been much of a basketball family, but okay. I, I, I have to say, though, yeah, sports. I mean, sports has always been a, a pretty big thread through our lives. You know, between, um, you know, my daughter did 
soccer and gymnastics. My son did, you know, soccer and hockey and, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and there's only so much budget to go around. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to go see it. I mean, I think it's, I just love the fact that Waterloo region tends to support their their hometown teams. So I'd love to see how that how that goes. I'm sure they're going to get a lot of support. And I'd be willing to go check it out. Like why not? It's it's a great time out. I know the owners uh David and Kate Schooley, they're mm -hmm. real estate agents with Remax and they oh, have oh. a they're yeah, so I know a lot of real estate people. Oh, now. I bet they're, you do. <laughs> They're, they're great people. They're great people, and it's only been in the Kitchener Waterloo area seven years. So if I do some media work again for the league this year and the Titans, I will try to hook you up with a ticket because it's really yeah. good basketball, and they do a good job uh, with their game day presentations at the Odd in Kitchener. Oh, that's great. That's great. But yeah, I'm sure they're going to have uh, have no problem getting crowds out. They seem to be. Um, it seems to be a very. It's a very supportive community. Yes. And you know what? Anytime you have a business or a franchise or like what I'm doing, it takes time to build the brand and you just got to keep working hard and getting your name out there. And that's, mm -hmm. I can relate to what they're doing and, and what you're doing. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is I have a viewer on and I think it's his name is Tanisha. See, okay. Yes, Tanisia. <laughs> so, so Tanisia. So, Tanisia. Hey, Tanisia. Tanisia is one of my surrogate daughters. <laughs> okay. Well, thank she, you. For um, yeah, her and her and her sister um, spent a lot of time with my daughter going through high school. And, and uh, yep, Tanisia and Janelle are uh, definitely, um, they're awesome, awesome young women. And just a shout out to Tunisia. She's an amazing mortgage agent. So if you're looking for, for anything, and she's in the Ottawa region, but by all means, reach out and I'll hook she, you up. Does she have a website we can plug on here? I don't know. Tunisia, if you've got a website, put it up, uh, put it in the chat. Or in the comments. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, in the comments. But now she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's a great girl. All right. Uh, I'm going to get to this other question. We'll get back to a little bit about real estate as well. When did you decide, Corey, that you absolutely oh. wanted a career in the real estate age oh. in the industry? Well, did you have a mentor? Did you have a mentor or mentors when you were first starting out? Yeah. So what I, it, I probably, this is probably a very common story for a lot of agents. I loved houses. I loved going to open houses. So I would spend lots of time long before I was, uh, was um, licensed that it was a lot of fun. This looked like a great time. I mean, how how horrible of a job can it be to look at beautiful houses all the time? Um, so that's how I got hooked. And then I decided that, okay, I, I think I want to do this as a career. I was a uh, marketing and communications manager and uh, it was time for change. You know, I was in the corporate gig, but um, so what I ended up doing is I got my license and I started doing a bit of research and the agent that I had used to purchase my own house at the time, um, I just kind of liked the way he did business. So before I really committed anywhere, I went to him and I said, you know, tell me, tell me about business. Tell me what it's really like. Like, don't sugarcoat it because, you know, I need to know what the downside is. I had two young kids at the time. So um, I ended up joining his team and got my feet wet and I did it a bit part-time which I don't recommend I mean this is a, a job that's really tough to do part-time but I would do open houses and all that kind of stuff and got my feet wet and then 
it just kind of there came a time where it was like you either have to dive in or get out um and i was yeah i was ready for a change i was i, I was working some long hours and try, doing a lot of traveling with uh with business and it was it was really tough to be away from the family so i decided to quit my job and cross my fingers and and i dove right in and i tell you uh without the support of of some more senior agents and without the support of a great broker yeah i probably would have been back at my job because it's the, the i would say that this is a bad word to use but the failure rate for agents is a lot higher than anyone ever sees because no matter what happens in this business you still have bills to pay you've got expenses to pay and whether you're selling or not that's you know it's an expensive business uh but i do appreciate all of the people along the road from beginning to now that were there to support and i tell you if you can find yourself a group of really good agents just as you know colleagues that are supportive of each other that's huge too my my story is a little different than yours obviously going into radio and media but i've had mm -hmm. so much it's a hard road but i've had so much support from people in the media mm -hmm. industry professional sports leagues and i'm taking a bit of a chance on myself but this is mm -hmm. something i want to do i'm prepared to dive in fully just like yours so i can mm -hmm. relate a little bit to your story as well yeah and it's it's really like i find I find it's really important, well, in life as well as in business, is you're only competing against yourself. Like you don't have to, I wouldn't say you don't have to worry about competition, but you know, let's let's be perfectly honest. In the land of real estate, the people, my perfect client is going to be completely different than my friend's perfect client. So there's more than enough business to go around if you're willing to do the work. And that's the key is willing to do the work because there's lots of things about this business that can make you question your abilities so you know how many no's do you have to get to get to a yes so it's a very high rate of rejection so you kind of have to be a little bit thick-skinned um but i tell you i've been incredibly fortunate that all of my clients i can't think of i think i fired one client in my in my career but for the most part, I have had some really amazing people and my clients themselves have been real great advocates for me. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, all about, it's all about doing the best job that you absolutely can and come from the heart. If you lead from the heart, you will always do well. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the kind of salespeople. And we have them in every industry where it's, I call it the, uh, the the dine and dash where they do the business and you never see them again. Or, you know, you feel like you've, you've uh, gone through a process and not felt that you were part of the process. You were just merely the, mean, the meal ticket. So, and that's sort of, sort of how it came up with that whole, the whole process of the from chaos to calm, that whole method. It's very, it's a five-step kind of method and walks you through everything that we're going to do. So every time I have a seller, it's the same process. Every time I have a buyer, it's the same process. It's been proven. It works. It's stress-free. You don't have to be running around with your hair on fire to get the job done. 
what is the uh, process like for getting a real estate license? And uh, there was another question I was going to ask you as well is, um, have you ever thought about it in the future, maybe writing a book about your story or about your experiences in the real estate industry? Um, you know, I've often, <laughs> I've often thought of writing a book, but not necessarily about the real estate industry. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I actually have the patience to do that, but it's, it has been floating through my mind, but future, what I would love to do is I would love to, uh, I would love to grow the team. Um, I would love to grow a team at this point and, I'm really, I really love to help new agents start their, start their, uh, their career or even agents that have been in the business for a little while and kind of share with them how I got to where I am. And, you know, I've been through a lot of coaching programs and, and, uh, there's been a few really great things that I could pass on. Like I would love to be a mentor. I used to be, so this goes back again a little bit. I'm, I'm a former competitive figure skater. And after I finished my career figure skating, I went into coaching and I did power skating and I did all that kind of stuff. And I, I still really find I get such a thrill out of someone else's success, if that makes any sense. So I, you know, I have a few, few colleagues that are much ju more junior than I am in the real estate business. And they call me all the time and we talk about, you know, issues that they're having and that kind of stuff. And I love to see them succeed. I love to see those people succeed. So I think I'd love to find myself in a more mentor coaching role. Um, uh, not necessarily as a coach, but like still within the real estate business and, and be there for people to help them get, get to the next level. Cause it's, it, it can be a really lonely business. Real estate can. It's called paying it forward. And uh, I've had yeah. a number of people in the radio industry, um, support me and give me advice or whatever. And when I'm lucky enough to make it, I'm going to do the same thing. And and what I love about this industry is not just making connections like the real estate agent, but mm -hmm. it's also making uh friend friendships yeah. as well. Connecting. Absolutely. I, I have to say, I, I have been blessed with, uh, with clients that I have is 99% of them were friends afterwards, you know, and it's, and I, you know, we keep track of, of, their lives and their kids lives. And, um, but yeah, I have to say paying it forward is a really important concept in my life, let alone in my business. But yeah, I'm a big believer in that. I'm really a big believer in, in what you put out there comes back to you. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I really don't feel bad when someone else succeeds. Actually, I, I'm, I love to see other people succeed. And if I can be a hand in that, I'm really happy with that as well. And maybe that's why I, I Maybe that's why um, I've managed to build such a strong business with some great clients that are, as I said, are, are advocates is I'd love to see them succeed and that in their success is the right house, not just a house. So yeah, they're much more than a sale to me. They actually become, yeah, they become friends. Absolutely. One thing I wanted to ask you, Corey, if somebody is watching or listening to our show today and they're interested in getting in the real estate industry, what is yeah. the process like in, uh, in Ontario uh, mm -hmm. for getting a real estate uh, license? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's changed a lot since I got my license. <laughs> um, 
Now it's it's through Humber. Um, Humber Guelph is uh, they handle all of the um, uh, all of the courses required in order to get your license. Uh, you could definitely go to um, OREA the OREA site. So that's uh, I believe it's OREA.com, and you can get all the information of where you where you can get the schooling. But it's definitely it's all handled through one place now, and. Um, I believe it's five phases now. It was only three when I went through it, but uh, it's gotten a lot, a uh, lot more not difficult, but it's gotten a lot more difficult than it than it was when I went through the system. Um, it's more professional. Um, yeah, so that's that's you. That would be the best uh, resource I would say is already.com and they can uh, figure out if they can, if they're willing to take that jump into a into a self, I guess, a self, uh, self-employed situation. But uh, yeah, that's where you go. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot with my next question. Yep. Do you remember the first home you sold and how satisfying mm. was it? And uh, currently yeah. right now, and currently right now in 2023, what are some of the most popular uh, home styles out there? Okay. First sold. Oh my heavens. Um, gosh. Oh yeah, I do remember that. I do remember the first house that 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 I sold. Yeah, it was it was a young couple that was making the move up into another home. Obviously, they were upsizing, and uh, I was terrified. <laughs> I have to admit, I was terrified. But it was so rewarding to see them find the right house. I mean, we had looked at quite a few homes. And I do recall a few times saying to them, This is not the right house for you. And they would look at me and go, what do you mean? Like, you got a sale here. And it was like, this isn't the right one. So we'd point out all of the reasons why perhaps it wasn't the right house. And then they'd sit back and go, oh, yeah, you're right. That, that really isn't going to work for us. So when they finally found the right house and they moved into it, it was, thank heavens. Thank heavens we didn't buy that other house. So it was very satisfying. Um, in 2023-24, well, I would say one of the big shifts I've seen, um, and it's not surprising, we have an aging population, is the demand for bungalows. And, you know, from a builder perspective, um, bungalows require a lot more land because you're going out, not up. Um, so there's a lot of builders that don't normally build them on a regular basis. They can, you know, in a custom home, you can. They tend to be more expensive, but, you know, it's a great alternative for those people that want to go from the 3,000 square foot house to a one level, no stairs, but it's not a condo. Um, <laughs> so Taylor's asking me, so this is my daughter. <laughs> Hi, Taylor. Thanks for watching, Taylor. Uh, so, so Taylor, tips for first time home buyers. <laughs> I was well, going to ask you that, but Taylor beat me to the punch. So, well, I would say, so uh, just to finish off the other conversation. So bungalows are really, are really in demand. Um, and of course, as I said, it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great step to a single level um, property without being a condo. Cause a lot of people aren't ready for a condo. They're not ready for a, a you know front door that's on the fifth floor. Um, so I would say that's that's the trend I'm seeing. So as far as first-time buyers, um, tips for first-time buyers would be get in the market as soon as you can. You're not gonna you're not gonna be making the the purchase into the perfect home. 
you might have to do a little work. You might have to put a little money in. You might have to put a little elbow grease in. But the sooner you can get into the market, the sooner you can benefit from the equity growth. Um, now, the biggest challenge for most of the young buyers these days are, well, it's, it's expensive. Um, but the bigger challenge is the down payment. So there are a number of um, government programs, um, which you can obviously uh, um, investigate, but there's, you know, your home buyer um, rebate for, um, sorry, for land transfer tax. You've got, uh, you can borrow from your RSPs. But I would say the biggest thing we're seeing because of this huge equity growth in the last three years, people that have been in their house for 10 or 15 years or are mortgage-free, what they're doing is they're pulling equity out of their houses and giving it to the kids for the down payment, or at least to help to help get the down payment together. Because um, that really is the, the bigger hurdle. Most kids these days are making a pretty good living, so they can carry the house month to month. It's just they can't get the down payment in order to get there to carry the house month to month. So, um, yeah, I would say if at all possible, the sooner you get in, the better. One thing I wanted to ask you as well, a lot of day, unless you have a six or seven figure salary, nowadays to own a house or even be in a condo, you almost need two incomes or three incomes or two part-time yeah. or full-time jobs. Yeah, I mean, that that is unfortunately the reality. Um, it's pretty difficult to handle uh, to handle a mortgage these days on your own um, for the average, you know, the average income. Um, yeah, it can be a challenge. I mean, right now, uh, I was talking to the mortgage broker earlier this week, and you have to qualify at 9.2%, I believe. Like, it's over 9% in order to qualify. Now, that's not the rate you get. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit overwhelming. Um, there is one thing that um, has started to sort of resurface. This has been around for a long time, but it's, it's, a, it's a strategy that's working for some people. They call it, um, it's called a few things, but I call it buying with strangers. So if you find a like-minded person that wants to buy as well, you can certainly buy together under, uh, instead of joint tenancy. So joint tenancy is what somebody would be if it's like, as a good, for instance, is husband and wife or joint tenancy. So it's a legal term that if something happens to that other person, then that property automatically goes to the other joint, the other person in the joint tenancy. Now, a way if you have two strangers is you basically buy the house together under what they call tenants in common and each person owns 50 percent or if there's five people it's whatever percentage it is and they own a portion of the house now the upside is is that you've got people with um that have want to get into the market and they can like-minded etc that's great the challenge i have with that concept is what happens if one person wants to sell the house. Well, I could sell my 50%. If you and I owned a place together, I could sell my 50% to anybody. Ooh, you don't want that to happen. I mean, I'm sure there's some, there's some legal ways that you can try and guard against that, but there are some creative ways coming out of, uh, well, some creative ideas coming into the marketplace of how to get into the market. That is one of them. It's not my favorite, but it is one of them. And a good mortgage broker can actually give you some great advice as well. And uh, Taylor was saying, great show. Well, thank you, Taylor, for watching and for your great question. One thing I wanted to ask you also, Corey, just we'll wrap yeah. it up in a few minutes, is uh, what are some do-nots of uh, looking for a home? And uh, would you recommend 
uh, home inspection before you go through with the final purchase. Okay, so your first question was again, what not to do? Yeah, some of the do nots. Some uh, of the do nots. Yeah. Um, do not go shopping for a house before you have a pre-approval. Don't do it. Reason being is you could fall in love with a house that you could never afford, or you could uh, you could find a house that you would settle for and realize you could have got a better house for a little more money. It, it, so all I'm saying is don't enter into the market unless you've got a pre-approval from, from a mortgage broker or a bank. Um, I would also say this is another, this is a big do not. If you do find a house and you do purchase a house between the time you firmed up and closed, do not go out and buy a new, buy a new car. Do not go out and finance something. Do not go, don't, do not change jobs. You know, make sure that that all of the financial ducks are in a row. And you once you close the property, then you can go out and buy that car if you want. But uh, don't do it between those that period of time. Um, so, sorry, what was your other question? <laughs> what was um, the other one? Oh, the other question I remember, um, obviously, when you're you're buying a house. Um, yeah. Oh, inspection, right? Home inspections, yes. Okay, uh, yes. Um, so let me let me sort of put that into context. So during the hot, hot, hot market, when it was what they would cons consider a uh, firm offer or nothing, which was basically highly competitive. So people would go in without a financing, um, a financing um clause or an inspection clause. So they go in with what they call a firm offer. Um, that scares a lot of people, but most sellers were providing um, a home inspection. Now, is the seller's home inspection a perfect um, a perfect situation? No, but it's better than no, no inspection at all because uh, it's high risk for sure. Now, this all that particular scenario was what was happening in most markets because it was such a quick market. So yes, inspection from the seller is okay, um, but you'd always in the perfect world, you'd want your own inspector. So in today's market, we're finding more sales are happening slower. People are able to do um, all kinds of conditions, including condition on sale of a buyer's property. So that now allows us more comfortably to absolutely get an inspection clause. Um, and I would never, unless you are a builder or you're a contractor um, or you're prepared to face anything that could pop up in that property, I would always recommend an inspection, always, always. But you gotta make sure you get a good inspector. Because much like I hate to say it, real estate agents, as many really good inspectors, there's a lot of bad ones. So I would make sure that when you're working with your realtor, whom you trust, obviously, they can help you find an inspector if you don't have one. And you just thank you for explaining this because you just uh, explained to me how important it is to have a real estate um, realtor get involved because it's not just I want to buy a house today and that's it or I want to sell it. There's a process. There's a lot of work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's. It has uh, each each side of the business has its own set of pitfalls. I mean, you know, the seller side has one and the buyer side has one. Um, even for, you know, I just actually sold a client that this was her sixth sixth property. And she was like, wow, we I never did this on any of my other properties or I never experienced that. Um, 
so it was even educational for her, believe it or not. We went going through the process now, again, with me. Uh, I didn't do any of her, I didn't know her back then, but, uh, but uh, yeah, so process can be a very calming thing. I find with clients, you, if, you, if you lay out the entire process and you keep reminding step by step by step by step as you go, then there's not that feeling of fear when you come to that house and you're going to put the offer in. They, they're pretty savvy buyers by the time they get there. So in a nutshell, here's what my job is. My job is not to sell anybody anything. It happens to result in a sale. But in my opinion, my job is to provide the, provide the information and education that a buyer or seller needs in order for them to make the best decisions possible for them. Now, I've had situations where the best possible decision for them was to do nothing at all, which is fine. But it makes me... I feel confident that if I've given them all the information that they need and they make a, um, a, a rational decision based on information, then it doesn't matter to me what their decision is, as long as they've had everything to make an informed decision. Um, and, and, I, and I'll support them. I mean, I've, I've had several times where someone has said, I've said, you know, I really don't think you should do this because of this. And they say, well, thank you for the, the, the insight, but I'm still going to do that. No problem. I'll help you get there. As long as it's an informed decision. That's my opinion. This leads to my next question. I just got a couple more questions for you, Corey. Sure. Um, yeah. This question I wanted to ask you here is, what is a typical day like for a real estate sales representative and team leader? <laughs> well, well, it's never, two days are never the same. They're always everything okay let me see it's it's a very fluid business um now you got to keep in mind that you are dealing with people who are either trying to sell their biggest asset or people trying to buy what will be their biggest asset in their life so it's a pretty big heavy important decision um so sometimes you're fielding calls sometimes you're you're running out and have coffee and talk about stuff. And because um, a realtor is actually a psychiatrist, a therapist, a, you know, a lawyer, not really. But, you know, we've got enough information to be a, a decent lawyer or a decent, you know, we've got a million hats on. So we're kind of everything to everybody at that portion of time in, in their, in their um, I guess, in their journey. Um, so for a team leader... It's a little bit different because although you probably have your own clients as well, your other clients are your team members. So your buyer agents and your other listing agents and it's providing support. It's providing um, an avenue for them to be successful from lead generation all the way to closing the deal. Because, you know, I will say the biggest portion of this business from an expense perspective is advertising and promotion and, and all the costs of doing business. Um, like I average, on average, I do between, I don't know, three to $6,000 per listing is what I invest into it, depending on the size of the property and, and its needs and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of agents out there that kind of go, oh, well, I can't do that. Like, how can I do that? How can I stage a property? I can't afford to do that. So the good thing about being in the business so long and having established processes, um, I can help them maneuver their business. So my job is 
as a whole, we're all one business, but my job is to make their business grow, which makes my business grow. So it's kind of, it's collective, but yeah, it's, it's a mentoring and supporting sort of role from a team lead. And, and it's not just talking, but listening too, like talking and listening and, and, and having compassion uh, for the people that are looking to buy a home or sell. Right. Right. Cause uh, you know, just because, it's like anything else, though. Just because you know what to do doesn't mean you do it well. And I'm not saying that that agents are terrible, but you know, um, you have to have the right personality. Like you have to have some empathy, and you really do have to have some insight and intuition. And you know, I, I would say that there's an agent out there for everyone. So, you know, someone that may not be comfortable with me might be comfortable with my colleague and vice versa. So it's all about attracting your like, your tribe, I guess, for lack of a better term. And um, when that happens, it can be pretty magical, to be honest with you. It's, uh, you don't realize at the time how influential what we do can affect other people's lives. I mean, get the wrong house. Think of that impact. Get the right house, completely different scenario. I, I can't tell you how many how many houses I've talked my clients out of going, do you remember why we're doing this? I actually had a client that was looking for a, um, a specific property, a specific kind of bungalow. And they were very focused on what they wanted. They stumbled, they went into an open house and they stumbled across a house that was a two-story um, on a very small lot, they wanted a pool. There was no pool. But the stupid part was, it wasn't stupid, but the thing was, is they were getting caught up in all the wrong things. So when I went to the house with them, I looked at them and I said, why do you want to do this? You've got a two-story. You have a beautiful house. Why do you want to do this? Oh, this is lovely. The whole point was to get a, was to get a, a bungalow, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. So after that whole conversation, it was still a lovely house, but it was like, wait a minute, this is not your goal. This is not what you're trying to achieve. Could I sell you that house? Sure, I could. But let's think about this and go, are we really doing ourselves a disservice here? So another year, fast forward a year and a half, two years later, and we found the perfect bungalow. And that's where they are now. But could they have made a mistake? Yes, they could have. After I talked them out of it, it made sense, right? I mean, why would you why would you want to go down the same road? But anyways, um, yeah, it's uh, we 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 wear a lot of hats. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, I was going to say too, it's not your typical Monday to Friday eight to four job. Oh no, 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 no. I mean, I've I've. I mean, to be honest, it's like any other business, though. Um, most professionals in any industry. There's no such thing as nine to five. If you're a, if you're a self-employed entrepreneur, you're doing everything at all. You know, you know yourself, you're kind of doing the same, the same thing as becoming a self-employed entrepreneur and all that. You, uh, you kind of have to work when the, when the work is there, but if you set your business up well, um, and you put in the automations that you need and you put in, you know, all of the, all of the building blocks for a successful business, you don't have to work 500 hours a week. But yeah, you know, we are definitely not nine to five. We are, yeah, we are whenever the client's available for the most part. Do you find there's a lot of burnout in the real estate agent, in the real yes. estate industry burnouts? Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. I, I've seen, um, I've seen agents run a hundred hours a week. 
like and and like run like stink. Um, and the thing is, is that sometimes I find in the beginning of a career, you have that feeling of scarcity all the time, where it's like, where's my next meal coming from? Where's my next paycheck? Where's my next paycheck? And it and it can actually fuel, it can fuel burnout, but it can also, it's it makes the business not fun. And if you're not having fun in what you're doing, you're not feeling passionate about what you're doing, then, you know, how well are you going to do that job? I, I mean, I experienced that whole crazy part of my business as well. But, you know, after some time and after some great training and some great coaching by some amazing uh, business coaches, um, I've really got my business to where it's fun again, you know, and where I really want to bring other agents in and, help them have a great business without sacrificing every birthday party or every hockey tournament or, you know, because that's unfortunately what real estate has um, done in the past, really. I mean, ask many agents how many, uh, how many vacations they missed or how many vacations they were on the phone for or how many games they missed or weddings there, you know, they were on the phone doing a deal in the corner type of thing. But um, it's all about, what I've discovered, it's about structure and it's about laying out the uh, the process and having a process and having a system and having the automations that can actually free us up to spend time with clients. So it's not, okay, I got to go. I got the next one, you know? So yeah, there's a lot of burnout though in this industry. And just talking to you, Corey, I can tell how passionate you are <laughs> and how much you love the industry and the <laughs> learning aspect of it as well like what I'm doing with radio media, I love learning new things every day mm -hmm. because my other yeah. corporate job, I stopped learning and it was just, okay, I come in for a paycheck. Money's nice, but I just wasn't growing as yeah. a, a person or an employee. Yeah. And makes a big difference to your own quality of life. But I also believe if you are passionate at what you do um, and you believe in, in your process and you believe in what you offer and the value you provide, um, that's going to shine through with with everybody that you meet, with every client that you serve, because there's nothing worse than being, you know, how many of us have gone into a restaurant or gone into a retail place or or been served by anyone who clearly doesn't like what they're doing? <laughs> you walk away uh, yeah. with a bad taste in your mouth, you know? And it's just like with what I'm doing as well as what you're doing. Be yourself. Don't be somebody that you're yeah. not. People can pick that yeah. up right away. I have to say that's probably the most difficult thing that that realtors as a whole have a hard time with is being authentic. And I'm not saying people are fake, but it's, you know, we've all seen we've all seen the Instagrammy I guess pictures of I mean, in every industry you have that and it's like, well, that reality doesn't match the picture. Do you know? So, and honestly, I think I'm just old enough to realize that uh yeah, you wanna you can only be you're the only you. So you're unique to start with. So celebrate that and and that's where your value lies. I'm 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 also really glad we connected on social media, Corey. Yeah. I consider you a friend and uh I've really enjoyed uh talking with you today. And I'm gonna wrap this up with a question sure. with all my guests. Yeah. What are okay. some fun facts about Corey that people might not know hmm. about. Um, <laughs> oh God, and my kids are listening, right? Um, <laughs> I'm sure they'd have something to say. 
Um, fun facts. Okay, fun facts. So, uh, hmm. I'm quirky. I'm definitely quirky. Um, I think I'm a lot of fun. Uh, I do like, I love, I love hanging out with the family. Um, what else wouldn't you know? I don't know. I'm fairly an open book. I'm not really that mysterious, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was a figure skater. My kids were huge in, uh, huge in sports. Um, um, I have, a, I have a very small secret jealousy. My daughter, my daughter is a singer in a band and I, I love watching her, but oh, I was like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could. But uh, yeah, I think uh, back in the day, my dream was to be an actress. <laughs> Hard to even question favorite child. <laughs> I love spot. them both equally. I love them yes. both equally. <laughs> um, but I would say, yeah, I mean, my goal was to be an actress, funny enough. And it just, I don't know, it just never happened for whatever reason. And uh, the universe took me to here. So... Yeah, I guess that's probably the quirkiest fact I, fact I have about me. Favorite place to travel, vacation-wise? Oh, um, depends on what kind of vacation. Relax and, and recharge. Uh, I'm going to say Montego Bay, Jamaica. Um, if I'm looking for history, which is, seems to be my passion lately, well, I guess that's another fun fact. I'm, a, I'm an American politics junkie. Okay. I don't know why. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's really captivated me. And I'm not sure if it's more of the uh, kind of like the the train crash that you can't stop looking at. I'm not sure yes. if that's it. Um, but okay, so history, that's another thing. History is really interesting to me lately. Um, I would say I would love to go back to Prague. That was really a fascinating amazing place i'd love to go to i've been to to london like to the london tower and stuff like oof that was interesting but yeah some something that's uh, got a lot of history would be another place i'd like to go absolutely and a fun fact about me i've never been on an airplane in 51 years <gasps> i guess really? i should try it once i i've i've yeah. gone to the seats i've traveled but i've never gone on an airplane and i guess i should try it once well, if, if you're good, if you want to be in the in the uh, the sports commentator arena, well, you're going to have to travel, my friend. <laughs> Traveling, I like. Yes, I just don't yeah. know about an airplane, but I will try it. I will try it at some point. I have somebody in my family that's trying to be an airline pilot as well. They're going to school mm -hmm. for it, so I wow. give them credit for doing that because it's not an easy profession. No, no, it's not. You're gonna, you're gonna have to try it though. You're gonna have to uh, give it a go. Life's too short. I, I noticed that <laughs> it, it really is. And, and I find the older I get, the faster time goes. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Eh? Every time I turn around, it's, I, I guess I, I would say that every time I get hit in the face with age is when I have a client's kids call me. It's time for us to buy a house. Wait a minute. You're six, aren't you? Yeah. I had that a few weeks ago when it really was like, oh my God, you guys aren't old enough to be on your own, let alone buy a house. But yeah, I get that every day. <laughs> Kids grow up too quick. No kidding. So finally, we'll wrap this up. Yep. Corey, where yep. can my audience follow you on social media? And what's the best way for somebody watching or listening to our show today to contact you? And if they're looking for a, a real estate agent, sales representative, and team leader? 
Okay, well, um, I am on Instagram at Corey underscore Androdi. Um, I am on Facebook, uh, Team Corey Androdi uh, Real Estate. Um, I am on Threads, not so much, but I am. Um, but I would say Facebook or, or Instagram on social, um, LinkedIn as well. But um, probably the best way is CoreyAndroni.com. You can and reach I have me it there. down there. And I have it down yep. on my ticker. And uh, if you could give me a little bit of time this afternoon, yep. I will send you an email with the audio and the video copy of our show, as well okay. as my website as well. If you'd like to promote your opponent, uh, appearance on my show, which was season seven, episode three today. Excellent. I really appreciate it. I, I enjoyed my time here with you today and hopefully we'll do it again. Absolutely, Corey. And uh, good luck to your Kitchener Rangers. I'm friends with Mike Farwell, by the way. I've had him on my show a few times. Excellent. Of the Kitchener Rangers. He's a good guy, too. Yeah, well, I, I enjoy the game. So go, Rangers, go. Hopefully, I'll run into you at a game at the odd at some point. I haven't Absolutely. been to a Rangers game. I haven't been to a Rangers game at the odd since March of 83. Oh, my goodness. We got to set you up. Yes, I need to get to a game there. I uh, like I said, it's been a while. So, but Corey, hey, I want to say thank you so much for coming on live with CDP Sports Talk, and I also will send you a link to my radio station when our show Perfect. airs as well. But I really appreciate you coming on today, and I learned a lot. And uh, I hope you have a great day, and we'll definitely keep in touch with you on social media. Absolutely. Thanks again, and have a great day. You too. Thanks, Corey. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed seven season. I hope you enjoyed season seven, episode three of Live with CDP Sports Talk this afternoon with my guest, uh, Corey Androdi. She is a real estate agent or our sales representative and a team leader with Forest Hill. So if you're looking to buy or sell a home right now, I would highly recommend Corey Androdi as well. And her information, her phone number and email is at the bottom of my ticker as well. Before we finish up this show today, guys, I was at the CFL Grey Cup Media Day yesterday at the Hamilton Convention Center, and I did about 10 interviews with players from Winnipeg and Montreal who are playing in the 110th Grey Cup this Sunday at 6 o'clock at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. And I'm going to air one of my interviews that I did yesterday with uh, Montreal Alouettes running back William Stanback, and it's courtesy of my YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Chris Palme, radio host of WQEE 99.1 FM's Live with CDP Sports Talk here at the Hamilton Convention Center for Grey Cup Media Day. And I have a special guest on from the Montreal Alouettes running back, number 31, William Stanback. Thoughts on your big Eastern final win against the Toronto Argonauts Saturday at BMO Field? Oh, it's a wonderful feeling, you know, going in there and taking the win and going to someone else's home is it's ecstatic. Um, we, we did what we had to do to make sure that we were well prepared for them. Um, we knew that we lost to them every match this season, uh, and we just weren't going to be denied this time. And we was just on a mission to where we knew we were the better team and we're the best team in the East to get to the Grey Cup. And that was our whole model, you know, from the back, from our last uh, bye week up until now. What adjustments did you guys make in this matchup compared to the regular season, I guess, in the film studies? Because it seems like you guys knew what the Argos were, were going to do ahead of time. 
Well, you know, the film is always going to be there. Everyone watches film all day, every day. But it was the personnel changes, I believe. You know, the new guys who came to the team. Because when we lost to Toronto, those uh, – we played – we lost three times, twice, three times, right? And um, we didn't have the defense that we had when we played against them. We didn't have the turners on special team. So the team looked a little bit different. And uh, we felt that – this was going to be an opportunity for us to go out there and take it this time. You know, we lost last year in the same the same game, and like I said, we're not going to lose. We wasn't going to lose again. What I, I thought about what I thought about your team is when Toronto did try to get back in it, you guys answered back right away, especially with that special teams touchdown as well. Uh, for me, all three of your units were outstanding against Toronto on Saturday. Um, yes, all three units were were very good. All phases were great um but for me and on offense we can we can do a little bit more and to help our defense and our special teams we only had one turnover um and that's great we don't give up the ball too much but um i feel like we had a lot more opportunities where we could have put more points on the board and we we didn't fail but we just didn't get the job all the way done at that aspect what are your thoughts on Jason Moss's job here in Montreal and, and the coaching staff like Anthony Calvillo, et cetera? I think you guys have an outstanding coaching staff. Oh, it's great. And the way that they came together and gelled is phenomenal. Like being in there, you know, things have changed from when I was first here as a rookie in Montreal to now. It's like it's like night and day. And uh, I'm just so proud and I'm so appreciative to be a part of this organization and I'm just so happy that we're finally here on the big stage. You know, all the work that we put in, all the conversations that we had, the stress of learning the playbook, learning what his philosophy was and what his method was to get us going during training camp. It was a lot. And now I look back at it. It's like we put in all that blood, sweat and tears. And now we're here and, you know, trying to win it and bring it back to Quebec. How much does uh, playing in your first Grey Cup mean and to the city of Montreal? And uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, your opponents? Oh, it means a lot, you know, to be here, to represent Montreal. Um, and I feel really confident in our team. I think that everyone's here for one mission all only. And we know it's a lot of festivities, a lot of fun games and activities going on here. But we're here for one job only. And I'm, I'm going to keep saying that probably in every interview that I do. Because we're so we're so dialed in to taking that back that I don't think anyone's gonna get in our way. All right. And what is a fun fact about William Stanback that LOF fans might not know about you? Uh, I know how to sing a little bit. You see, I had to you a little bit. Can you give us a right demo? Uh, yeah. For real? What's your song? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't really have a favorite song. It just depends like what song is playing, I'll start singing along. But like uh I don't know any of her songs. Shaggy. Yeah, Shaggy. I'll just sing. All right. I got you. I got your song. <clears throat> Love. There's so many things I've got to tell you. See, that's it. That's all. I can keep going, though. That's great. Uh, who's the worst singer on the Alouettes? Who's the worst? On the Alouettes. <laughs> I'll probably say my dog, Jamar McCloster. 61. My tackle. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, William, I want to say thank you so much for doing this interview, and uh, good luck on Sunday against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, guys. That, that was William. That was William Stanback, number 31, running back with the Montreal Alouettes. And uh, 
William Stanback and his teammates, the Alouettes, will be taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the 110th Grey Cup Championship this Sunday, November 19th, 6 p.m. at Tim Hortons Field. Sold-out crowd, and you can watch the game on TSN and also on the radio, TSN radio as well. And Rod Smith and Dwayne Ford will be calling that game on TSN. And uh, I want to say thank you to Lucas Barrett and Olivia from the uh, Canadian Football League for arranging a CFL Media Day pass for me as well. The league has been tremendous with my radio show and my media work, and I want to say thank you again to Lucas and Olivia from the CFL. I had a great time there yesterday. Uh, guys, I still have a lot of interviews to post on social media and a lot of pictures as well, and it was great to meet William Stanback and uh, talking to these guys and getting them to know them, not just as players, but as people as well. Next live with CDP Sports Talk, brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership here in Guelph. This Saturday, November 18th at 12 p.m. Eastern, with my guest Jeff Morrison, a prostate cancer survivor and Movember ambassador, along with Lisa McDonald, a friend of mine. She is a co-chair of Movember in Kitchener-Waterloo, and they're going to talk about prostate cancer and the awareness of it and uh, how Movember was created as well, I think 14 years ago. So I hope you can tune into Season 7, Episode 4, this Saturday at 12 p.m. Again, with Jeff Morrison and Lisa McDonald as well. The next Argo Bounce live audio show. This is our final show for the 2023 season. The Argo Bounce live audio show with Nick Small and myself will be tonight at 7.30 p.m. as Nick and I break down the 2023 Toronto Argonauts season and they're unfortunately their loss 38 to 17 last Saturday to the Montreal Alouettes in the East Final and we're going to break down what happened and what went what wrong with the Argos in that game as well as preview the uh, 2023 Grey Cup game between Montreal and Winnipeg this Sunday and, uh, and, and this is hard to believe in the 110 year uh, history of the Grey Cup this is the first time Montreal and Winnipeg have met in a Grey Cup. That is amazing. 110 years, and there's only nine teams in the league, and this is the first time Montreal and Winnipeg are going to match up in this Grey Cup. I think um, Montreal's head coach, Jason Moss, has done an outstanding job this year, and of course, former Guelph Griffin and former all-time Argyle Michael Shea, his fourth straight Grey Cup as a head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and not to mention that he won three Grey Cups as a member of the Toronto Argonauts, and I believe he was with the Cats in 99. I'm not sure about that, but uh, it's going to be a great game Sunday, and uh, I hope you guys can tune into our episode 16, our final Argo Bounce Live audio show tonight, and uh, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions uh, for me and Nick, please tune in tonight, 7.30, live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, slash X, Twitch, and LinkedIn, and also on WQEE 99.1 FM as well. Also, guys, as always, as we wrap this show up, Live with CDP Sports Talk is a weekly sports and entertainment talk show hosted by yours truly, Chris Palme. Is weeknights is on weeknights at 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, the home of Southern Sports and Talk, the heartbeat of Atlanta. Our station's radios, our, our radio station's website is wqeefm.radio12345.com as well. 
Live with CDP Sports Talk is live streamed on these platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, slash X, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And I want to say thank you to everyone watching this show today live streamed as well. You guys can also follow my website at beacons.ai slash Chris D. Palme. All my digital content and previous shows are on beacons.ai as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk, again, is sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles or give them a call at 519-824-0210 or you can email them at info at barrycullen.com. Speaking of Barry Cullen Chevrolet, you can gear up for fall at Barry Cullen Chevrolet with a 2023 Silverado 1500 truck at 0.99% financing for up to 60 months. And also, guys, if you're looking for winter tires, you can get a set of four winter tires at Barry Cullen Chevrolet uh, with uh, tire rebates, depending on the manufacturer. Again, check out barrycullen.com for winter tires as well. I am a TikTok uh, content creator as well. So you can check me out on TikTok at Live with CDP. You can check out my latest coaches and player interviews and some of my content from the last night's Guelph Storm London night game that I did some work with with Rogers TV as a camera operator. StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP Sports Talk. If you're into webinars or podcasting such as myself, check out StreamYard.com as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk, the audio version is available on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify for Podcasters, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, LinkedIn, Pandora, and Tuned In. And again, weeknights at 8 o'clock on WQEE 99.1 FM as well. You can also email or text live with CDP Sports Talk at cpalme19 at gmail.com or you can text the show at 519-820-7188. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear your feedback as well. Finally, guys, we have Thursday night football tonight. We have the 5-4 and four Bengals against the 7-3 and three Ravens from Baltimore. Uh, kickoff is at 8-15. And I'm going to go with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals in the upset tonight as well. And the Philadelphia Eagles are back to playing on Monday, November 20th. Monday night football, 8-15, Super Bowl 57 rematch. The 8-1 Eagles are at the Kansas City Chiefs 7-2 at Arrowhead Stadium. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman with the call. Looking forward to that as well. And the Detroit Red Wings today play at the Ottawa Senators at 2 p.m. today Eastern from Stockholm, Sweden. And the Red Wings will be playing the Leafs over there as well. So good luck to the Red Wings tonight as well. And finally, guys, 110th Grey Cup again. Winnipeg, Montreal, 6 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, November 19th uh, from Tim Hortons Field. Can't get to the game. It's sold out. You can watch on TSN or TSN radio as well. Again, I want to say thank you to my guest today, uh, Corey Androdi. She's a sales representative and team leader with um, Forest Hill Real Estate. And uh, you can check her website out. I'm going to put it right here on my ticker before we go, guys. Give me one second. I have so much stuff on my graphics. I'm going to just put it right here. You can check out her website at Corey Androdi. 
com. That's CoreyAndJordy.com. And you can also contact Corey at 647-372-505. Sorry, I uh, made a boo-boo there. You can contact Corey at 647 372 5070, or you can email Corey Androdi at, at Corey at CoreyAndrody.com as well. I want to say thank you, everybody watching this live stream today and also on audio and on WQE 99.1 FM, brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet here in Guelph. I hope everyone has a great afternoon, and we'll see you here back tonight at 7:30 for episode 16, our season final of the Argo Balance Live Audio Show with Nick Small and Chris Palmet. Have a great afternoon, everybody, and thanks again for watching and listening to Live with CDP Sports Talk.